0: Okay, hey everyone. I hope all is well. And thanks for listening. So, in this episode, I want to talk a bit about the nature of evil. And actually, more specifically, I want to do it in the context of a really interesting and important book called Evil in Modern Thought by Susan Neiman. Okay, well, let's give it a shot. Okay. Well, so where should I begin? Well, you know, let's go back almost 300 years. So something catastrophic but important happened in Lisbon in 1755. What happened on November 1st of that year is that a a massive earthquake combined with ensuing fires and tidal waves wiped out most of the city in a single day. It ended up killing over 15,000 people, and it destroyed a vast number of buildings and homes and cultural artifacts. Now, why that tragic day was important, at least this is what Neiman argues, was because it changed the way that people conceived of evil. You see, prior to this, most people viewed natural disasters, in one way or another, as a sign of moral evil. In other words, they believed that natural disasters were punishments from God for our moral transgressions or wrongdoing. Now, this, of course, was a way of justifying tragedy in a world created by an all-loving God. It was a form of what's called theodicy, a word coined by the philosopher Leibniz, but a view that, in spirit, goes back to the ancient Greeks and the Old Testament and St. Augustine. Anyway, the question asked after the Lisbon earthquake was, what kind of moral evil must have happened to produce the scale of this kind of tragedy? It just doesn't make any sense. Nobody, no collective, deserved this kind of destruction and and loss of life, no matter their supposed transgressions. The idea that God wanted to cause such a disaster seemed so ludicrous And so disgusting that essentially what happened is this. What happened is that people stopped believing that God acts through nature to punish us. In other words, what the Lisbon earthquake did is it made us see nature as morally neutral or as impersonal. It revealed how distant the natural world is from the human one. So, natural catastrophes no longer had any relation to moral evils. Evil, and this is the important point, became restricted to the works of evil people and their evil intentions. Okay, so the argument goes then that after 1755, the notion of evil became restricted to our evil intentions. That's what modern evil is all about. It has nothing to do with natural events, because nature has no meaning, and its events aren't signs or signals or anything like that. All evil is about is the will or intention of human beings. In other words, evil is not present in earthquakes, but it is present in us. Okay, but now we seem to have another problem, or so Neiman argues the problem we have is to understand the murky concept or phenomenon of intention or will. And here, Niemann brings in the most evil, the most morally catastrophic event in history, Auschwitz, which she considers in itself, but also as a shorthand for all the sources of tragedy during this time in history. So what's disturbing about the horrors of Auschwitz is that At the individual level, not all, but many of those agents that were carrying out the the atrocities, what's not clear-cut about them is that their killings and crimes were committed with outright malice and clear forethought. And in fact, the paradigmatic example of such an individual is the famous Nazi official Adolf Eichmann who in 1960 was found guilty of war crimes in a much-publicized trial in Jerusalem and later executed. Now, one of those who covered the trial and analyzed Eichmann intensively was the philosopher Hannah Arant. And what she said about him in a book she wrote called Eichmann in Jerusalem, a report on the banality of evil, what she said was that he didn't have as his goals mass murder but that what he really wanted to do was to advance his career in the Nazi party. This is what she meant by the title, the banality of evil. What she meant by this is not that evil is banal, no, but that evil can issue from shallow or superficial people who don't grasp the enormity of their evil. And of course, it's it's much easier for this to happen in the modern age of technology whether it's industrialized gas chambers in Poland, or in our contemporary case, stealth bombing. Here, the horrors are unseen or at a distance. What you see yourself as doing may be out of sync with the actual harm you do. Now, Arant got a lot of criticism from her book because people interpreted her to mean that Eichmann wasn't guilty then if he didn't have these malice intentions. But no, that's not at all what she was saying. He was guilty, and he should pay the price with his life, she thought, which he did. But the larger point is again that intention is tricky. We can't get into other people's souls, and so the connection between intention and evil is difficult to defend. So if we're going to look for responsibility, maybe we have to look elsewhere. Maybe, as Neiman says, what counts is not what your road is paved with, but whether it leads to a hell. So maybe we should judge evil people by their actions. Okay, well, I, I just want to say one last thing something that's uncomfortably just below the surface in this discussion. If Neiman is right, If the majority of the Nazis weren't demonic in nature and intention, then what does that say? Well, it says that Germans aren't the only ones, given certain conditions, that could have produced Auschwitz. That's incredibly important to see, and probably something we haven't truly faced about ourselves. As Niemann said, what Auschwitz revealed was a possibility not in German culture, but in human nature that we hoped not to see.